one more time. Welcome to the True North Church podcast, where we gather to explore faith, find inspiration, and strengthen our spiritual connection. At True North, we exist to help people navigate through the oceans of life in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Each week, we'll dive into meaningful discussions, share uplifting stories, and delve into the teachings that guide our lives. Whether you're a longtime member or a first-time listener, we're grateful to have you join us on this journey. So, let's embark on this episode of Faith, Community, and Discovery together. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Make an altar. Somebody say, make an altar. Hallelujah. I want us just to stay in this this attitude this morning. I just want to... And try to be brief, but I want to share with you vision. If you just kind of keep that, I guess, kind of just playing a little bit. Hopefully, it encouraged me to. Thank you, Lord. Thank you Jesus. Thank you. His presence is in the room. Amen. Yes, amen. Normally, I'm good with dates, but I can't remember when the Lord dropped this in my heart. But when he did, I stopped what I was doing at work and I wrote it down on my phone. But our theme for this coming up year is good ground, is being good ground. And the reason why is because, you know, we talked about last year where it was planting, or we talked about earlier this year where it was planting season, amen? Where God was planting different things in us. He was planting hope. He was planting uh, joy. He was planting love. He was planting all those different things in us planting the fruit of the spirit amen. amen but it's planting season for us and, and this year we're going to be focusing on how we are good ground and this is what the this is what the lord told me he said we will grow amen. he said we will grow and we will grow through discipleship he said Lindsay, two things are going to happen through discipleship you will become more like christ and through discipleship the church will grow he said, we will grow, and how we're going to grow, it's through discipleship. He said, two things are going to happen. We are going to become more like Christ is number one. Number one, you are going to become more like Christ. You are going to begin to sound more like Christ. You're going to be able to think more like him. You're going to be able to love like him. You're going to be able to bless like him. You're going to be able to pray like him. You're going to be able to be more like Christ. Amen. Amen. And number two, through discipleship, this church will grow. Not just numerically, but also spiritually. He said discipleship for us, here's what it's going to look like. It's going to look like us spending time together. It's going to look like us gathering together. Iron is going to be sharpening iron. We'll do this through our small groups, through fasting, through nights of prayer and worship, and collectively reading through books or materials and being a light and serving our community. This discipleship model, it's going to look like us spending time together and gathering together. Iron is going to be sharpening iron. We're going to do this through small groups. We're going to do this through fasting. We're going to do this through nights of 
prayer and worship. Collect, we're going to do this through collectively. Everybody reading books and materials. We're going to do this by serving Lexington, a.k.a. Henderson County. Amen. And that's what the Lord put on me this morning. I just want to kind of expound on that. But to break it down, discipleship, um, it, 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 it's, let it's, me say it this way. Discipleship is not formed through Bible study. Bible study is not where discipleship is formed. Bible study is good. But at the end of the day, discipleship is not formed in Bible study. Discipleship is not formed on Sunday mornings. Discipleship is formed one day at a time, one encounter at a time. See, when Jesus formed the 12 disciples, the 12 disciples, they weren't formed and forged in the tabernacle. They learned how to be like Jesus. They learned how to love like him. They learned how to walk like him and talk like him and empathize like him. They learned how to they learned from the Messiah by watching him at weddings. They learned from the Messiah by watching him at wells talking to unforbidden Samaritans. They learned from the uh, from from the Messiah by watching him sleep in the midst of a storm. I will say that, that that's my Christ nugget right there. That's my Jesus Chick-fil-A nugget. It could be storming outside and I could be asleep. You can ask Kelsey. I could be sound, cutting logs. It don't bother me a bit. So, see, now I can say, all right, that was just all this time. That was me trying to be like Jesus. But the 12 disciples, they were formed and forged by, walk, by watching the Messiah walk on water. They watched the Messiah resurrect the dead from tombs and bedrooms. They watched the Messiah multiply the biggest Lunchable anybody has ever seen. They watched the Messiah offer up his life to the point of death on a wooden cross. See, church, the disciples became disciples through Jesus' invitation to follow him, to follow his life. He didn't invite them, hey, I want you to come in on Tabernacle, and I want you to listen to the words, and the words I say. And I'm not saying this because inviting people to church is bad. No, we want to keep doing that. But I want you to, I want you to grasp a bigger picture, what Jesus wants to do, what the Father wants to do in your life, this whole transformation that's going to take place. It's going to happen not just on the Sunday mornings, not just on the Wednesday night gatherings, but it's going to happen on the Mondays. It's going to happen on the Tuesdays. It's going to happen as we are spending time together, as we are fellowshipping, as we are going out to eat, as we are cleaning, as we're doing whatever it is as a body of Christ. Amen. Amen. Just as the disciples became disciples through following Jesus's life, that's what we are going to do. We're going to spend time together. We're going to gather together. Some of y'all should be super happy. I know some of y'all love to just, woo, let's the this is what the Lord is saying. But it's, 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 if you think about it, it's nothing new for the last couple of years. Because two years ago, he said we need to be people of what? Communion. Amen. People of communion. And then last or early this year, it was he was going to be transforming us from water to wine. And starting in 2024, we're going to be focused on becoming good ground good ground. And I got to thinking about that. You know, uh, the Lord has provided a, a very special blessing in Lexington and about spring of, of this coming up year, there's going to be a new coffee shop that's, that's being built. And there's some people that aren't for it, but your pastor is for it. But I got to thinking about that. 
You know, and, and it's funny when we drop by, I get I get a little anxious. I'm like, Lord, why ain't they put the why ain't they put the windows up? Why ain't they put this up? Why? And I remember when they put the when they put the siding up. Kelsey was out of town. I called her. I made a or I made a video. I said, You see the siding? Look at the siding. That that that's that is trademark siding because they wouldn't they wouldn't announce what the name of the coffee shop that was going in. But we all knew. If you knew, if you know, you know. But I got to thinking about that. You know, and before they, before they laid the first brick, I remember the concrete slab was actually still there on that parking lot. In fact, because the reason I remember that is because a lot of times if I didn't want to pull out of McDonald's, I'd just drive over on that and then pull back out on the road. And I got to thinking about that. And I was telling the boys, I'm like, you see this building? I said, you boys get to say now that you live, you, you were, you know, you were here in Lexington before the Starbucks. You get to say that. And of course, they didn't understand that. And I said, daddy has testimonies like that where I can say, I, I've lived here before certain things. You know, I lived here when this was a gas station. When I first started driving, this is where I would go and get my gas. This is where I would go and put 20. I remember get done playing keys at church here. And then go hop in my little white Dodge Neon, go to that gas station, put $20 in it. And you know what? That $20 carried me all the way to Saturday. Oh, the Lord was good. The times were good back then. Drive $20. I drive $20 and then drive over to McDonald's, give me a dollar hamburger because it was a dollar. <laughs> and then drive on back home and take a nap, you know, living the good life. But, you know, that, that, that piece of property, when they begin to build what you see now, there wasn't a whole lot of work they had to do to the foundation. Why? Because somebody else had already come and laid the groundwork. But before that person laid the groundwork for that gas station and for the crystals and for the Baskin-Robbins that it once was, they first had to determine, is this a good piece of ground to build upon? Now, guess what? When they built that gas station, they weren't thinking you know, 40, 50 years later that it was going to be a coffee shop. They were just wanting to build a good, they just needed good ground to build something on. You and I, we cannot see what our future is going to look like, but God knows what your future is going to look like. And in order for that future to come to fruition, there needs to be good ground. Amen. We want to be good ground. And that's his goal. He wants, to he wants to take us and shape us and mold us to be good ground. And just, I mean, if, if you were to imagine, just imagine what the Lord could do in your life. I mean, exceedingly, abundantly, more than we can ask or think. So how does that start? It starts with us becoming good ground. Amen. Somebody say good ground. So our series this starting next Sunday will be, it'll be called Good Ground, and that's what we're going to be focusing on. But what the Lord said, how we're going to be growing, and we said different ways how we're going to be growing. Let's break it down. Number one, spending time together. One of the ways that we are going to grow spiritually, like as an individual and then as a collective, is by spending time together. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. These are actually scriptures from messages that I spoke throughout this year. And I love it how the Lord has tied all this together. It wasn't that I didn't have anything to say. No, I said, Lord, what is, what, Lord, give me vision. And he brought me back to these things. But Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 says this, discover creative ways to encourage others. Ooh, and to motivate them towards acts of compassion, doing beautiful works as expressions of love. 
this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate the day dawning. Amen. You know, this reminds me of what I what I spoke maybe a couple months ago. But we're talking about spending time together. Literally, there's the verse where we are commissioned to spend time together. And when we spend time together, we encourage each other. Amen. Amen. So when you are on the phone with somebody that's in this room or another believer, gossip should not be what's coming out of your mouth. Encouragement. Amen. Encouragement. But it reminds me of this. I told it earlier this year. But companion planting. I don't know if y'all remember me talking about companion planting. But companion planting, literally, it's where... It's where two or more vegetables or fruits that don't look alike, they don't taste alike, they don't have the, uh, they don't, you know, they, 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 there's nothing about them that looks or tastes or even smells alike. But within them is the very thing that helps the other grow. Companion planting is a way to maximize the efficiency of a garden. If a, if a farmer doesn't have a whole lot of space, then he will plant he will plant vegetables that have that or uh, fruits that have something within them that helps the other grow. So therefore, a lot of times you'll see you'll see a banana and something else that are growing simultaneously together. See that, that what we are called to do, it's it's like companion planting. What you you know, that kind of areas that you your your ideal spaces, your ideal friends. Guess what? God may not put those kind of people in your life. God may not put the ideal friend in your life. God may not, he may not put the ideal job in your life. He may not put the ideal person to go out to eat with. He may not put the ideal uh, message or phone call that you get. It may, be, it may be from someone that you did not expect or someone, the last person you thought would ever check in on you. The last person that you ever thought would say yes, said yes to going out to eat with you. The last person you ever thought say yes, said yes to coming over and just hanging out. One of the benefits of gathering at the table over a meal is it pulls people in and it turns strangers into friends. One of the benefits of gathering at the table over a meal is it pulls people in and it turns strangers into friends. One of my favorite things about our dinner time at the table, one, it's two, it's one or two things. It's either quiet, and when it's quiet, you know the meal's real good. When them little boys ain't saying nothing, Oh, you, you throw down. Also, when it's quiet and as soon, soon as I put the plate down, if, if I clock it two minutes later, the middle one says, Daddy, I done. You know what that means? Uh, he didn't come up for air. I was, oh, whole plate. And he's like, can I have some more? <laughs> but number two, another thing that happens at the table for just for our little family, every story that you can imagine comes out. I hear stuff about their friends. I don't even know who their friends are, but I hear stuff about them. And it's not that they're whining or complaining. No, just at the table, things organically come out of you. Conversation automatically comes out of you. The table is a good catalyst where strangers become friends. Amen? But we said we're going to be growing through discipleship. So we said one of those things is by spending time together. Number two, another thing is through small groups. Through small groups, see, and we'll come up with a better name for it. I know every church has all these different names, but right now I just have small groups. Lindsay, we are a small group. Well, we're going to break down into even more smaller groups. The Bible says this. It says iron sharpens iron. Amen? Amen. And I'm so glad only iron can sharpen iron. 
I'm so glad I can't go and take a piece, uh, break off a piece of cedar and go sharpen my knife. I'm so glad I can't do that. Why? Because they are incompatible. One is not as strong as the other. Amen. A lot of times I get upset. I don't know about you, but a lot of times I get upset being in ministry and being like, Lord, why can't I have more friends? Lord, why can't this person be my friend? Lord, why can't I go hang out with this person? Lord, you know, I'm going to be good. You know, I'm going to be filtered. I'm going to be censored. Let them do whatever. Lord, why can't I? Why can't I? Because guess what? You are a piece of iron and only iron can sharpen you. So many times we surrender and we get we get mad and we complain because we can't go hang out with dull knives. We get mad because as a steak knife, we can't go hang out with the butter knife. We get mad as a, I mean, you go to a, you go to a five-star uh, uh, Bobby, Bobby Flay Steakhouse restaurant. You, you, try to, you try to go and ask for a steak knife, they give you a steak knife. But look, ask them for a butter knife and, see, and, and try to cut that steak. We get mad as knives because we can't hang out with dull butter knives. See, one of the ways we're going to grow is through the small groups. And, Lindsay, how do you know we're going to grow? Because the, there's a promise in the Word of God that says iron sharpens iron. So when we gather together, guess what? There's going to be some sharpening that's going to happen. Guess what? Sharpening, it's not comfortable. I don't know if you've ever sharpened a knife or ever heard a knife sharpen, but when you hear a knife, for me, it makes, it makes me cringe a little bit because it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's not a pleasant sound. It's a high swivel, just and I'm pretty sure if that knife can talk, you know what it would say? Ah! It wouldn't say, oh, this feels good. The caterpillar never pops out of the cocoon to let all of nature know this, this transformation process feels good. No, the Bible says that, or not even the Bible, but scientists have studied the caterpillar. And when it gets in that cocoon, it is secluded from all other things. During this transformation process, through this growing process in small groups, small groups will be drafted into more personable groups, personable groups based on age or marital status or kids or no kids. But listen, the goal of this is for us to encourage each other. It's for us to be an outlet for one another. And it's for us to love on each other and the friends that we invite. Because, yes, as we break off into smaller groups, I encourage you, bring friends with you. Bring coworkers with you. Bring the people you don't like. But, you know, that, that's a good one right there. You want, the Lord to, you want the Lord to do a work in that person you can't stand, that person get on your nerves, that person always saying stuff. Be like, hey, hey, why, why, why don't you come and meet me and my friends? We're going to go hang out this weekend. Okay, what y'all going to do? Don't, don't worry about it. You just, it's free. It's on me. Well, who, who's going to be there? People I go to church, well, I don't know about that. Listen, you need to come with me. Just come with me. And then you pray that the Lord does a work in them. Amen? Amen. But we're going to be growing through spending time together, through small groups. Another one is nights of prayer and worship. The reason we're going to be doing this is because sometimes life is just so busy. And I'll be honest, sometimes home life is not as conducive or encouraging for you to pray and read the word of God. Amen. Now, that's not an excuse or a license to be like, well, Lindsay said, uh, Lindsay understood that, that, that my home life is chaotic, so I ain't got to spend time with the Lord. Didn't say that. Don't you put that in my mouth. What I'm saying is sometimes you get home from work, laundry's piled up, ain't no food in the fridge, or whatever it is, 
bills laying around, and you're just, Lord, I don't, I don't know if there's enough for me to even open up the Bible. So what we're going to do, do for the month of January, start just for the month of January, and then we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes, and we may continue it afterwards. But every Wednesday night during the fast, especially, but every Wednesday night will be a night of prayer and worship. A night of prayer and worship. Where it's not going to be a whole lot said. May we one scripture and just have some, uh, either I'll play or have some music playing. But it's just, a, it's just a time for you to get alone. Either sit in the chair, go to the corner, whatever it is, walk around and pray and worship. And just be in the presence of the of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Get refilled. We always have to take our car to the gas station. Why? Because life happens and you run out. You, you use that gas up. Life is happening and guess what? Sometimes you just kind of wear down. So I want you to start looking at these Wednesday nights this month as, okay, I'm going to the gas station tonight. What? Mama, this don't look like the gas station. This is our spiritual gas station. We are getting refilled tonight. We are getting refilled tonight, amen? And guess what? I'll be honest. For those that are going to do the fast, and we'll talk about the fast in a minute, for those that do the fast, you're going to want to come on Wednesday night and get refilled. You're going to need to get refilled, amen? amen. Another way we're going to be growing is by collectively, this is my favorite, collectively reading through books or materials. As much as I love the Word of God, there is nothing wrong with the Word of God, but there are some books that complement the Word of God. There are some books that the Lord has used to to move us exponentially. Amen? Amen? So collectively, so Lindsay, I'm not a reader. Well, you better get ready. You won't be forced to. Nobody's going to force you to read anything, but the offer will be that, hey, I want you to check out this book. This is where we're at. And, and you may find out that in, there will be some series kind of centered around that or some things that are pulled from that. Amen? Amen. In fact, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible Acts chapter 17, verse 28, that was actually words to a secular song that Paul pulled out and quoted. Ah. So guess what? If he can do it, we can pull, we can, we can grab other materials that glorify and edify the body of Christ. Amen? That glorify Jesus and edify the body of Christ. Another way is by being a light and serving our community. <clears throat> There's no explanation, but we're a city set on a hill. Jesus says that you are a city set on a hill. You are a lamp that is set on a lamp stand. If we are to love our neighbor, Jesus said what? He said for us to love the Lord our God and love our neighbor as ourselves. You can't love your neighbor if you ain't engaging with your neighbor. Amen? Amen. One of my favorite things back when I worked for the post office when I was off and I'd be at the house, you know, our, our neighbor to the left of us, if you're in our yard looking at the road, our neighbor to the left of us, the older gentleman, Loved him so much. Super nice guy. And if I was out and he was out, he would just stop and talk to me. And I remember when we first got here, I, I'm like, man, I don't, I don't, this is kind of weird. I don't want to talk to him. But finally, I broke down and we would just talk. And we didn't talk about deep stuff. We, we talked about his lawnmower. Just different things about his lawnmower. And he asked me if I knew and I didn't. And one time I went over there and I'm, I'm, I felt so bad. I'm trying to help him, but I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know a, a rickety Splickety thing that I'm doing. Rickety splickety split. But you know, somehow or another, we got that thing cranked. I don't know what I did. It had been the Lord that took over. He's, and he's, I, I knew you'd get it. I was like, okay. <laughs> and the whole time I'm like, Lord, why can't dad have a half day and get here so he can figure out? I don't know what I'm doing. 
I'm going in our garage looking for tools coming back. And at one point, I'm just, you know, he's standing up somewhere. I'm just banging around, just trying to make it sound like I'm doing something. And finally, I turn something, loosen another thing, and stretch some out, and woo, I was like, Jesus. I said, all right, uh, don't, don't turn it off. That's what I told him. Don't turn it off. He said, I'm, I'm not. He said, I'm going to go. Da, da, da. I said, okay, yeah. <laughs> hey, made it. But how can we, how can we love our neighbor as ourselves if we're not engaging them? Guess and the easiest way to start is you start with the person that's beside you. Or you start with, I can't, can I really step on your toes? You start with the person that you avoid at work. You start with the person that you avoid on the holidays. You start with the person that you're like, you, you start with that person that anytime you pull into Walmart, you pray and say, Lord, please don't let them be in here today. <laughs> I just want to get in and get out. We're to be a light and serve our community. And when we do those things, that's when we are going to grow personally. But then also that's when our congregation will grow. Last but not least, fasting. All right, here we go. Fasting. It's not what you think, son. This is one of those times where I wish I was them. <laughs> when I was a teenager and we started the Daniel Fast, you know, the, the, the youth had to fast video games. And back then I was like, oh, come home. We couldn't play my PlayStation. Now I'm like, I want to time travel. But like, you don't know how good you got it, little Lindsay. <laughs> Wait till you have to fast coffee. I'm going to drink coffee. Yeah, you're going to drink coffee and you're going to love it. But with our 21-day fast, we fast. We will start uh, sunup next Sunday, January 7th, till sundown January 27th. Or, yeah, January 27th. So from January 7th to January 27th, it's a 21-day fast. It's not mandatory. If you don't do it, nobody's going to judge you. Nobody's going to be like, oh, look at you. Nobody's going to talk bad about you. If they do, they're talking bad about themselves because you're their brother or sister in Christ, and we are one. Let that, thing, let that sink right there. But there's different types of fast. Obviously, the most popular one is the Daniel fast, where it's just eating fruits and vegetables, Fasting from the delicacies of life, no sugar, no, no, uh, what is it, no caffeine, no candy, no all that. You're just eating fruits and vegetables for 21 days. But one of the most powerful things, it's super simple, but it's deep, that I heard uh, my pastor say about a few years ago. <clears throat> when you're fasting, if you're not including prayer and worship and reading the Bible, then you're just doing a diet. See, it's one thing to... It, to, you know, put the coffee down and you're going to drink water. Ooh, Jesus. <laughs> it's, one thing to, it's one thing to not stop by Zatsby's and get, you know, a chicken finger plate or whatever with the good sauce. It's one thing to not go to Chick-fil-A, even though that's the Lord's chicken. Lord, I, I'm at your chicken place. It's one thing to not eat those things and to pick up fruits and vegetables or eat, you know, whatever, you know, whatever kind of vegetables. But it's another thing to do those things and also read the word, also pray, also study. One of the big game changers is when you are craving what you normally eat, you pick up the Bible. You open up the Bible app. Or when you are craving, you just begin to worship. You begin to put on Christian music instead of, instead of scrolling through your phone trying to pass the time. 
you, you, when you're craving those things, you study the word, you open it, and you, you deep dive into it. You take a scripture, and then you go online, and you, and you can type in Google, correlating scriptures with John chapter whatever you're reading. And then you just begin to dig and dig and dig and dig. And guess what? As you are digging, as you're digging into the word of God, you know where that word is going? In here. As you're digging further, that word is coming up and going in here. As you're digging, and guess what? I encourage you, as you read it, say it out loud. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing the what? Word of God. Oh, come on. This fasting stuff is powerful. And guess what? We don't broadcast it because the applause of men will be your only reward. Do not broadcast your fasting. Now, Lindsay, what do you mean by that? It's okay to talk about how you're fasting amongst the people in here. But I'm saying don't go on Facebook and say, I'm fasting. Pray my strength in the Lord, Facebook. Pray my strength in the Lord, church. When you see somebody at Walmart, how you doing? Ashley, how you doing? I'm fasting. In fact, that was one of the things that got on, that got on Jesus' nerves, the fact that literally there would be people on the streets that were mourning with cloth, or sackcloth and ashes. Or the Pharisees would be standing in the midst of the street yelling and shouting and quoting random uh, scriptures and, and, and shouting prayers just for the applause of men. Jesus said that if you live for the applause of men, that is your reward. Amen. There's nothing wrong with do it. There's nothing wrong with with following him in secret. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, he said, "Do not let your left arm know what your right arm is what doing." Iron sharpens iron. So guess what? When you struggle, reach out to someone that's in this room for encouragement to keep going. If you're going to fast and you're struggling, if there's one day or or maybe one hour where you're like, man. I need some encouragement. I can't do this. Reach out to somebody in this room. Call them up. When they say, hey, how you doing? I'm, listen, I'll be honest with you. I want a burger. <laughs> I promise when, I, I never noticed the food commercials until we fast. Even Burger King, have it your way. You rule looks good when you're fasting. I don't, I don't crave Arby's until I'm fasting. Y'all, I don't even crave Fazoli's and Jackson until I'm fasting. I read, I read their meter, and I'm like, I pass by there once a month. Don't even think about stopping in. But when I'm fasting, oh, you best believe I'm be like, Lord, is there any, is there any vegetables on this menu? <laughs> this whole wheat breadsticks. Lord, do they got any, do they got any dessert fruit? Or just a, a, you know, sugar alternative. I promise when you start fasting, everything is going to come up. Reach out to somebody in this room, please. Please reach out and touch like we used to sing. Somebody's hand. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> I could give you several reasons for scriptures, several reasons and several scriptures for fasting, but I just want to go over one. Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, <clears throat> he said this. Then he said to them all, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him what? Deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. See, at the cross is where the flesh of Jesus was put to death. And if you're going to follow Jesus, there's some flaky, in the words of Mazona, there's some flaky flesh, some carnal desires within you that need to unalive. They need to unalive. I use that word because there's little children in the room. 
But there's parts of your flesh, there's some desires that you have, there's some tendencies. Watch this, there's some attitudes. There we go. Boys, listen up. There's some attitudes in you that need to unalive. And the way we do this, there's some attitudes within us that need to be nailed to the cross. Lindsay, how do we do this? We fast. Because, see, there's some foul language that needs to unalive. There's some, there's some words in us that when we hit our, when we stub our toe, I'll trust, when we step on a Lego, when we, when, when, the, when we get the, when we get the notice in the mail that this is due, there's some, there's some language in us, there's some attitudes that need to unalive. And the way we do this is by fasting, because fasting is a way that you take up your cross. Fasting is a way that you crucify your flesh, Amen. It's a way that you crucify your flesh. Uh, the Lord shared this with me years ago back in Bible college, and it's an analogy I've kept all this year. But if you've ever listened to a radio station, and you know, you're in a, if you're locked in one spot and that radio station is picking up strong, you're good. But as soon as the car starts moving, what happens? You start hearing the static. And as you know, you start trying to turn the dial, and you're trying to get, you're trying to get a clear signal so you can hear that radio station. A lot of times there is a lot of static in our life. A lot of hurt, a lot of grief, a lot of bitterness, a lot of regret. The shoulda, coulda, wouldas, oh, that's loud static right there. All the mistakes, all the insecurities, anxiety, that's loud static. And when we fast, that's you turning the dial so you can hear a clear signal. Lindsay, what's the clear signal? The voice of our Father. The voice of our Father, Amen. Amen. That's what fasting is like. It's it's finally it's it's finally us getting rid of the white noise, so we can hear what's coming across our heavenly Father's station, Amen. Do you have that video pulled up? <clears throat> I want to play you a video, or at least just hear the audio of it this morning. I was in Alaska doing a lawsuit. We're way out in the Aleutian Islands getting ready to leave and go back to Anchorage and then home. And I had a ticket in my pocket to get on an airplane. And a pastor came up and he said, listen, I can save you money. I said, how's that? He said, I flew a small airplane up here and I fly a small airplane and I can take you in my little airplane and you can save your ticket. And this did not sound, I said, gee, thank you so very, very much. But I've got this ticket. We'll just make our way on home, me and this other lawyer with me. He said, no, 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 you got to do it. you got to do it. And against every better judgment I had, I said, okay. Well, we went out to the airport, took us by his little plane, and I looked at it. And I thought, well, one good thing, it's shiny. Then he walked around it. We got in. He's on the left front. I'm on the right front. The other lawyer's sitting right behind me. And he started it up, and it started up just fine. Well, we taxied out. I said, should we pray? He said, yeah, that's a good idea. We normally don't. I said, well, this time we're going <laughs> to. And I'm telling you, I prayed five, eight minutes. I prayed a long time. We went and got on the runway. He starts down the runway. The plane lifted off ever so gently, and we start climbing. And it's wonderful. Not a problem in the world. We started climbing, and we flew probably three, four minutes. And something happened that will never leave my mind. The pilot turned to me and he said, we're going in the clouds and I can't fly in clouds. They make me pass out. 
I said, clouds make you do what? Now, it's been cloudy all day. And we go right up into the clouds, and you can't see anything. And he looks at me, and his eyes roll back in his head. And he starts mumbling, and he passes out. Passed out cold. Now, I grabbed him, and I shook him, and I said, come on, you got to wake up so I can kill you. Now, we're in the clouds, flying along with no pilot. And my friend in the back seat said, we're dead, aren't we? I said, there's a very good chance of that, yes. He said, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know. But there was a radio right there, and I handed him the microphone, and I said, start asking for help. So he's in the back seat reaching up, and he said, hello, hello. We didn't know any proper radio etiquette. All we were saying was hello. And somebody answered back, hello, hello. Don't you guys know proper radio etiquette? And I said, give me. I said, tell we don't know nothing. Tell him we're in an airplane with a passed out pilot and we don't know how to fly this plane. The guy said, I'm a freighter flying out of Anchorage on the way to Tokyo. And he said, you're telling me you have nobody who can fly that plane with you? I said, tell him that's correct. Now you gotta understand, I am sweating bullets. He said, the first thing I'm gonna do is start circling so I don't lose you. Because I'll fly out of range of your radio and you won't have me anymore. And he said, I'm gonna get Anchorage emergency for you. An Anchorage emergency will be the people that can maybe help you try to save your life. After about five minutes, Anchorage came on, said, we understand you have a passed out pilot. And those of you do not know how to fly that plane. We said, that's right. They said, well, the first thing we got to do is find you. And I'll never forget what this man at Anchorage said. He said, my job is to get you home safe. He said, that's my job. But he said, here's the deal. If you want me to get you home safe, you got to promise me you'll obey my voice. He said, you can't see me, but I can see you. And he said, if you're not gonna obey my voice, you're gonna die. When you can't see anything, you have no idea how disorientated you become. Finally, he said, okay, I found you. Now hear me clear. He said, you're four minutes from a mountain. He said, you're gonna crash in that mountain and die. Follow my voice. I never said, I have to follow your voice? Is that reasonable? You see, I understood without his voice, I had nothing. And do you understand? Without God's voice, you have nothing. Nothing. Finally, he got us turned. And he said, I'm freezing all the traffic in the area. He said, it's going to take me an hour and a half to get you to Anchorage. And there's a lot of weather between you and Anchorage. You're in for a rough ride. And he said, I want you to hear me. I don't want you to look at what's going on outside. I don't want you to pay attention to the storm, just my voice. He said, if you start watching the storm, you will die, but I'll take you through it. Now, because they cleared all the traffic, several pilots, those nighttime freighters, those 747s started talking to us. They said, we're praying for you, men. You're gonna make it. But listen to the voice. That's the key. They said, trust the voice. Do you realize your head is full of voices? And everybody in this world wants to talk to you. And everybody wants to be the controlling voice. And God says, I want you to be a living sacrifice. I want you to put yourself on the altar and let my voice be your voice. Finally, we went through the worst of the weather, but there was still more. And then the voice came back and it said, now, I'm going to line you up. He said, I'm going to bring you in right down the runway. And at the foot of the runway are some lights and they're in the form of a cross. He said, don't you forget this. The cross is the way home. 
Finally, he's bringing us down. We still can't see anything. And all he kept saying is, stay with me. My sheep, the Bible says, hear my voice and they follow me. Finally, just a couple hundred feet off the ground, we saw the cross. I landed the plane. In fact, I landed it seven times. Finally, it all came to a stop, and the minute we stopped, the pilot woke up. The voice said, thanks for listening. I watch them crash and burn all the time because they won't follow my voice. They don't understand I'm the one who can see them even when they can't see me. But they get the voices in their head, and they kill themselves. They self-destruct. Thanks for listening to the voice. Then they put us in a motel room at about four in the morning. I knock at my door. I open the door and a man was standing there. He said, hello, David. I said, you're the voice. You're the one who got me home. He said, I am. Do you understand one day you're gonna stand before him and say, you were the voice. You're the voice that brought me home. If you're not on that altar as a living sacrifice, your head's full of voices. And then we wonder why kids crash and burn. We wonder why marriages are shattered. And the Lord's saying, I'm the one who has the voice. All I can remember is that voice saying, stay with me. Stay with me. Don't listen to what's going on in your head and don't watch the storm. Stay with me. And I'll take you through. Tonight you have a God who has promised to take you through. A living sacrifice, hope. Family, I, I fully believe that's us. I fully believe that if we if we get out of the way of our own selves and listen to the voice of our Heavenly Father, we're going to make it to the end. Listen, I'm not, one, I'm not big on, because everybody loves to declare and, and prophesy and all these different things at the beginning of the year. 2024 is going to be the year for more. I'm not, I'm not saying any of that. What I'm saying, 2024, this is going to be a year that, we, that we, we, we get so in tune with the voice of God that when he says go left, we go left. When he says go right, we go right. When he says pay for the person behind you at McDonald's, we do it. When he says don't go out tonight, stay in. We don't say, but God, I want to know. We say, okay, yes, sir. This is, this is going to be, be the year we are not going to self-destruct. This is going to be the year where you don't self-destruct. You don't lose your mind. You don't go crazy. You don't have a nervous breakdown. This is going to be the year that you listen to the voice of God. Because guess what? You know what happens? David said it best. He said that when we, when we get our minds stayed on Jesus, we are living in perfect peace. This is going to be the year that you're going to live in perfect peace. While the world is turning upside down, you are going to still keep your mind intact. Your blood pressure is still going to remain normal. People are going to go off on you. People are going to talk about you. But you, it will, it will be like water on a duck's back. It will, not, it will not build a home in your heart. 
It will not build a tent in your heart. We will not self-destruct this year. I don't know about you. I'm going to speak that over me and my household. We are not going to self-destruct this year. Doesn't mean that there won't be storms. No, there will be storms. Heads up, church. There will be storms this year. Politics will get even worse. There will be more rumors of wars. That's what Jesus said. Your kids will not listen. Your coworkers will still go crazy. But guess what? At the end of the day, he will keep us to the end. He will keep us to the end. Like John Maxwell said in that video, listening to the voice of God, listening to the voice of that pilot, got him all the way to the end. And I love it because he said on the runway, he said, look, look there's a cross on the runway, a cross of lights. He said, the cross will always get you home. The cross will always get you home. Amen. Amen. But I promise if we get, if we get ourselves out of the way and listen to the voice of our heavenly father, we too will make it to the end. I want, I want, I want to grow so bad. I want us to grow numerically, but I, inwardly, I want to be, I want to be some, I want to be whatever it is that he has designed for me to be. But also, I want that for you as well. Whatever God has created you to be, who he's created you to be, who he's called you to be, I want, I want you to be that so bad. If, if there's nobody else in your corner, I am in your corner screaming that I want, I want you to fulfill the call and purpose on your life. Amen. Thank you for listening to the True North Church podcast. If you're not already following us on social, check out our website at truenorth731.com to find direct links to our pages. Also, if you would like to contribute to the work we are trying to do, you can click the safe and secure giving link and follow the prompts. Thank you for helping us build and strengthen our community. Until next time, have a great day.